Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Please Watch This, a film podcast where two film-loving mates with gaps in their viewing history recommend films to each other so they can once and for all decide who has better taste. My name is Hugh Dempsey. I am joined, as always, by the the indomitable Sam Blakely. <laughs> that's great. That's that's my new ring name. Yes. It is. <laughs> How are you, Sam? I'm <laughs> not so bad, mate. How are you doing? I'm not too bad, not too bad. It's bonfire night here tonight, listeners. So you might hear some loud bangs on the mic. Unfortunately, we're not. We, we don't have the kind of money to record in a studio. We we do it at our houses. I, I can't we afford eggshells have... for the wall. You know that, that the, the eggshell uh, padding. You know. You mean you mean egg cartons? Egg carton. You know. Yes, yeah, eggshells wouldn't be very. You good, replace my words with correct words. You know what you're talking about. That's how I do it. Yeah. yeah. He does it yeah, in post. That's <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you ever hear Sam saying something that doesn't sound quite right uh, or in the sentence, then that's usually because I've had to edit it. Out. The Monaco Grand Prix, <laughs> which we'll call back there to episode twelve or whatever it was. Senna, <laughs> if you want to hear back. I just could not get the sound the same. You didn't want to redo so the roughly. sentence. You just thought you'd redo the last couple of words. I tried. I tried doing the. I tried doing the sentence and. Um, <laughs> It sounded worse. Well, and this so was better. Oh my goodness. Well, it. anyway, that's that's our past victories. Let's talk about our future victories. Uh, have you had a good week, yeah. Luke? I think so, mate. I can't remember. Who am I? Where am I? Those are my feet. Yes, it is. I have been doing online learning all for the last two weeks at home, Lovely. and I am thoroughly sick of sitting on my sofa. Yeah, you feel like you're trained enough for the job now. No, <laughs> not a chance. There's there's a lot there's a lot to remember when it comes to like stuff. Yeah, no, that's 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 a general principle, really. There is a lot to remember yeah. when it comes to stuff. Yeah, no, it's there's a lot of like every person who's in front of you is like in a category of sort of work readiness or whatever, <laughs> or, or like if they've if they've got health problems and it's yeah, you've got to try and work it all out and. Yeah, I think it's it's either going to be oh this is obvious when you're sat in front of people, or it's going to be uh, I'll just be checking loads of intranet pages trying to work <laughs> things out and panicking. Yeah, no, no, that's that's what we're all doing really in our jobs, aren't we? We're pretending or being flustered. Um, have you seen any films this week apart from this week's film? No, I don't think I have actually. Well, we saw Dune since last recording. Well, yes, no, that's a fair point. In the last in the last week, we have seen. <laughs> we did, and it was bloody good, wasn't it? Spoilerific. I mean, spoiler-free. Bloody good film. Oh, what a, what a film. I've, what else has come out this year that's been good? I can't think of anything as good as that, but I really can't remember what's come out this year. I've been to the cinema a lot. Bond was quite good, but I think Dune is well ahead of it. For the life yeah. of me, I can't think of what films have come out this year. I might check my letterbox, because I'm that sort of dickhead. Probably, but yeah, yeah, it's the one that strikes the most. I, I watched um, the... Uh, Scream one and two this week got into a bit of a bit of a Halloween Lovely. spirit. They really hold up so new? well. This, the, you know, like I think Scream one is a ten out of ten film. I think it's amazing. Wow, it holds up very well. And Scream two, as as meta kind of postmodern sequels go, it really it, it's a you know it's more meta than the first one and and holds up. So I think that's you know it's like nine out of ten. Incredible films. Is it Scream 2 where the guy records a, a After I'm Dead video? Um, no, that's must be 3, I think. Yeah, I'm going to be watching Scream 3 at some point, and I think that sounds like Scream Yeah, I think 3. you could be right. I think the problem for me with Scream now is it's been parodied and, you know, sort of 
lampooned mm. and it was know, hard at homaged. times just to think wait am i remembering a scary movie or scream because it's shot for yeah. shot parody really <laughs> yeah like when you like that bit when the girl gets murdered in the um she tries to get through the cat mm. flap of the garage and she gets crushed to death in the uh, garage i think that's like like all I can think of is the the the, the fat girl in in scary movie trying to do the same thing. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the Drew Barrymore character to start being the sort of Carmen Electra or someone like Carmen Electra at the start of scary movie. And, yeah, I think it this. is Carmen Electra. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. It's like the sign saying "certain death, yeah. freedom." Or something <laughs> <like> that. <laughs> she reaches around on a table and there's like a gun, a knife, and a banana, and she gets the banana. <laughs> oh, I, think yeah. I can't remember. But yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's it does kind of a but, uh, but yeah, yeah good films. the film that doesn't have much parody, though, thankfully, Sam, mm. is this week's film that we're going to do. Um, the Dave and Cronenberg directed 2005 film, A History of Violence. Absolutely. Sam, did you know anything about this film I knew, before? I knew, I knew less than nothing other than it was Viggo Mortensen and David Cronenberg, and I thought it was Naomi Watts, so I kind of knew one thing. If we're saying, I knew two things, one of the, I knew three things, one of them was wrong, yeah. so I kind of knew, that kind of negates one of the two things I knew. So I knew so little about this film. I didn't know anything about plot or anything like that. I really didn't know right. anything. To, to be fair, I had forgotten that it wasn't Naomi Watts <laughs> in this, that it had been that long since I'd seen it. Well, because so, the first five minutes I was like, okay, this doesn't look like Naomi Watts, but Naomi Watts is one of those people who seems to look a bit different every time I see her again. So I thought, oh, maybe it is Naomi Watts. Is, <laughs> then, is it because she's an actress doing actressy things? <laughs> <laughs> there are just people yeah. who are just sort of like, oh, I sort of forgot that's how you looked. Um, and they're sort of different, slightly different to me of everything I, look, I see them in. Do you want to give us a little plot synopsis? Why not? So, basically, long story short, a mild-mannered um, man who runs and operates a diner in a small middle middle America town. You know, one of these very generically sort of wholesome... You know, one of the characters that have been in film calls, it, calls them co- cowpoke, I think it is, is, a, is a, the term mm. that a lot of people use. Uh, very folksy, you know, very very unassuming. Um, all that, basically what happens, two men come into his diner and threaten violence and potential murder against um, him, some get, some um, patrons of the, the diner and some, uh, some diners, you might say. Some diners, yeah. I prefer the term patrons, personally. Um, and basically what happens is uh, Tom, uh, he's called Tom Stoll. Tom, basically, he, he's he got a jug of coffee in his hand and he attacks the two um, the two men, manages to get the gun out of, get the, knocks the gun out of one of the guy's hands, gets the gun, shoots um, one of them, and then the other one stabs him in the foot with a knife that he's holding, and then he and then he shoots that guy, and he's a local hero, and he's, you know, he's plastered all over the news, and um, that then brings uh, some unsavory characters into town who basically accuse him of being somebody else, a guy called Joey Cusack uh, from Philadelphia. And essentially Tom protests that he's not this person, you've got him confused with somebody else. And so the plot unwinds from there. Mm. Um, we will talk spoilers, I think, a bit later on, when maybe when we talk um, what you liked and didn't like about the film, Sam. But yeah, that's that's essentially the plot of it. It's, 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 um, it's a pretty tight hour and a half, basically, this film, isn't it? Um, it's there's no there's no there's no real 
faff to it. There's there's a small subplot with his son, son who's being bullied a little bit by the local jock, and you know he stands up to the bully, and you know uh, the the uh, Tom's not very happy about him using violence to to basically defend himself. Um, so there's a bit of tension there, and yeah, you know it's yeah it's just a, it's a good little kind of it's a proper grown up film. This I think quite honestly. What do you mean by um, that? As in, it, it, I don't see one, no characters make stupid decisions that aren't, You can't, there's no point where you go that that character's acting like a character in a movie. They're acting like adults in stressful situations mm. or in pressure situations. Do you want, would you like to know what I like about this I'm film? I'm gagging to hear it. So, um, so it's a very intense film. You know, I think it's you know it, it, it's um, very much an eighteen rated film. Yeah. There is a lot of there is a lot of violence in the film um, as the film goes on. There's and it's not like Hollywood violence either. It's real proper. You know, it's a split second and it's over sort of violence. Mm. You know, there's very little. You know, no one's having big fist fights. It's you know a couple of people tussle for a second and then one of them's dead or dying essentially. <laughs> um, you know, I've already mentioned about its type pacing. It's it's a film with adult themes. Um, it's realistic violence, but it's the it's what I really like about it is it's a character film. You know, it's about this character who, you know, is being accused of lying essentially, and the effects that have on his. You know, this is he's very much um, a man who has a loving wife, despite the fact that they've got you know clearly a grown up child who's like fourteen or fifteen. You know, they've been together a long time, it seems, and um, you know they're still very devoted to each other. They still they still have a sexual relationship. You know, that's shown at the beginning of the film where they do like a, where she does a little role play for him as a cheerleader. Um, you know, he's clearly very in love with her. They, they, you know, they're very enviable almost with their kind of level of uh, love to each other, despite the fact that they've clearly been together for a long time. And it's kind of, it's kind of, it's character study. It's like, who is this? Who is, you know, Tom Stall? What is he at? Who is he actually? You know, is he actually this Joey guy that they're talking about? Or have they got the wrong person? You know, what what are the consequences of his violence towards people when he's put in situations where he has to be violent? You know, you know, we get that manifested mainly through through his um, relationship with his son and his, the actions his son ends up taking. Um you know his relationship with his wife is very much tested, and it and that, there's some there's there's um, something you very rarely see in movies is where there's so there's two sex scenes in this film with the two lead characters with uh, Viggo Mortensen and um, she's Maria Bello, isn't she? Right. Edie's character, and you know you have the one at the beginning where it shows how like in love with each other they are and then it has one near the end or in the last in the the, the third act where you, a lot of things have a lot of things have happened and a lot of the, the you know the plots unfolded and they have real like hate sex yeah, <laughs> it's the best way to describe yeah sex. yeah they have a proper re- David Cronenberg sex have you seen Crash yes no yes I've seen bits of it I don't. I've not seen it all. Not the Oscar winner, the the proper crash. Yeah, yeah no, yeah. the good one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've seen bits of it. I've not seen all of it. I think it, I think I've caught about twenty minutes of it mm. or something. Um, film, I actually, yeah, I can go back and watch that if if we ever do it on the podcast. Yeah, we can do that. Be interesting to see what it's like. Um, 
But for once you actually have sex scenes that actually drive the plot or drive character motivation, they're not like these Game of Thrones, like, let's have an exposition dump and tits. Yeah. You know, there's their actual... You know, the, it shows the development and the change in their relationship based on the things that have happened. So, yeah, it's it's just a bloody good film. I watched it last night and I hadn't seen it for... Oh, I don't remember when I watched it. Maybe it's got to be at least 10 years since I've seen it, perhaps. Uh, maybe less. I, can't, I genuinely don't remember when I saw it, but just surprised at just how good it was. Like, there's just, they just don't seem to make films like this anymore. Like... You know, we said we saw June at the, the last weekend, and you know that's a it's a damn good film, but it's it's still very big budget film. Do you know what I mean? This is a mid budget film that probably didn't make much money, but it really is. You know, it's for adults. <laughs> I, hate, I keep saying that, but it really is for adults, and it and it's got themes. Sam, what what do we like on this podcast? We like it when a, when a film's got themes for days. And it's got character, theme and character, and it's got all the things that we enjoy, you know, and it's it, it's got in, it's kind of indie, but it's not an indie film, I would say, but, you know, it's got great performances from Viggo Mortensen. I wouldn't say he's stretched in this, because he, he plays the stoic, quiet man very well, it's kind of... He's, you know, he's, it's, it's, you know, it's him. He's, he's almost playing a, an aspect of himself there, I would argue. But you've got great performances from Ed Harris and also William Hurt, who kind of steals the show a little bit near the end, and obviously uh, Maria Bello, who should have been in way more things, by the way. Like how she's not like a household name, I'm a little bit surprised by. Yeah, because um, I remember not being able to place her, not being able to come up with a name for her when I was watching this film. Yeah, it, um, it is the budget of film that a lot of people are, they decry that it's it's been lost because it's a thirty million dollar budget film, uh, and you don't really see many of those. You know, they tend to be smaller or much bigger, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, and you know, most of that's probably gone on getting the actors, basically. I would say, and the crew. You know, mm. the sets the sets aren't really anything special. The, you know that kind of way. They've just it just looks like a production made for you know to hopefully get a certain audience and maybe make its money back. I think mm. you know I think David Cronenberg gets trusted to make these kind of films because of his his success rate in the past and you know he's very much one of the Hollywood darling, isn't he, for making movies? I would say. Have you seen many of his films? I haven't though. This is the strange thing with David Cronenberg. I didn't realise this was a David Cronenberg film mm. until we mentioned it last week. I, I, and maybe that's. And I know he's made a lot of he made a lot of films in the eighties, didn't he? Mm. That had like mind bending themes, I think, as well, weren't they? But, yeah, I mean, the two big ones that I haven't seen but are often thrown about are Scanners and Videodrome. I think the ones I have seen, The Fly. You know, that's the one that probably most people would have seen. I saw Cosmopolis, the Robert Pattinson film, but I ha- there's a, basically a few of his absolute hits that I haven't seen before. I have seen The Fly, but he is uh, but Hollywood not for royalty. a very long time. Yeah, I think I watched The Fly maybe again, maybe around the same time I saw this, maybe a couple of years before it. That is a brilliant mm. film as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah great um, film. I didn't realise how dark it was as well it's really gruesome isn't it yeah yeah, the character loses his humanity basically doesn't he he transforms into a fly um and also Jeff Goldblum has the best mullet on television (laughs) um on film should I say sorry to that point um maybe what you might not like about this 
I'm, I'm worried. I think you like this film. I don't think you're going to dislike it. So I don't think there's much you didn't like about it because it didn't overstay its welcome. You know, it's very grown up. It's got themes. It's got character. It's got an interesting plot. I think the only thing you might have gone, oh, it's a boring man film. And because you don't like boring men films, <laughs> as you call them. <laughs> like, what is what is the atypical boring man film to you, Sam? What film do you look at that you've seen and went, oh, that's a, that, I, I was bored by that? Good question. The, I tend not to watch them. So it'll be, right. it'll be like the more forgettable Tom Hanks films or the more forgettable films with male leads. They don't have to be macho films, by the way, these boring bland man films. They tend to just be about war or something like that. And they're just incredibly right. forgettable, even just to look at the poster. So, right, you know, okay. so probably The Hunt for Red October, I would see as a very boring, fairly boring, bland man film. And you did find that quite boring, mm. as I remember. Yeah. yeah. Although I think that's a good film still. I still hold that that's a good film. That it's got, you know, it's got some good acting in it as well. Um, you know, it's got Sean Connery probably in one of his best roles, to be fair. He didn't do much uh, at attempt at the accent <laughs> it was no but they did have the fun bit I did really enjoy the bit where they were all speaking Russian mm. and then they all changed to English yeah, yeah. I, I liked that yeah. bit of kind of look just play along <laughs> yeah, we know they're speaking yeah. English but just imagine they're speaking Russian you know? <laughs> and here we're going to get some of them to actually speak some Russian so <laughs> excuse me listeners God. I just had some fizzy to drink and it's uh, decided to repeat on me oh dear but very they're, asking, they're begging for more fireworks <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so I think this maybe you might have found it as a boring man film I hope you didn't so I think we should find out after the break about this film Sam let's do it and we can get Sam's opinion so join us after the break listeners Hello and welcome back to the second part of Please Watch This. Uh, Sam's going to give us a history of his opinions on this film. Oh dear, hopefully no violence. Um, yeah, it's a really good film. You know, I'll just I'll spoil Yay. any sort of surprises there. To put you out of your misery, it is a really good film. It's not a boring bland man film. It's quite a macho film, and that it's kind of about stoic masculinity and, and that sort of thing but I think what this taps into and I assume everybody does this I know that all at least all guys do this I, I assume women do this as well um, and it's a bit of a cliched thing to say but when you're let's say you're in a boring lecture or something like that or just in a meeting you imagine what you would do if somebody came through the door with a gun how, like, how you would react to it and everybody paints themselves the terrorists yeah, came to get you exactly yeah and everybody paints themselves as Jean-Claude Van Damme and Jay Jason Statham's love child in that in that moment were like, well, I'd roundhouse kick the guy on the left, elbow the guy on the right, you know, and you just turn into a cool action star. And in fact, um, the film JCVD is kind of like that, but more realistic. Uh, have you seen JCVD? No, I haven't. No, I haven't seen it. No. I, I'll add that to your list because I remember quite liking that. It's kind of so, yeah. You've mentioned it. I've, I remember you mentioned it a few times. To be fair, yeah. And I'll, I'll need to rewatch it to see if it's uh, actually more sort of pseudo intellectual and. Uh, pretentious than I thought it was but I really enjoyed it 12 years ago um, I think perhaps it was just because 
Jean-Claude Van Damme was being a little bit intellectual rather than it just being, here's me kicking people in the face. Yeah, there's very little of the kicking in the face. I I really enjoyed it at the time, but I'll I'll, I'll see how I feel 10 years later. Um, And it's got a quality that I really like and probably most people really like, and this is why a lot of films are very successful, where you have a character who doesn't like violence, but there's some sort of ex, you know, CIA ex whatever SAS and so when it when it, when the shit hits the fan they're there to do the the thing but for the most part they just want to keep themselves to themselves and they don't want to start trouble kind of like Jack Reacher a, there is you know a, Jack Reacher is yeah. kind of like that John Wick is like that the Bob Odenkirk yeah, film nobody is like that you know Taken Brian Mills is Taken Taken like, Unforgiven I know that I know Taken has kind of the the, the bad rap because of its sequels, but the first yeah. one was a genuinely yeah it's intense guy, film, and it's just like he's trying to be a family man. He's got all these skills. He'll fuck you up if you mess with his family. <laughs> he will find to you. To paraphrase <laughs> it, have you seen the you've seen Unforgiven? I think haven't you? I have. Yeah, what a great film. That and is. that was you know this guy is past it. We've heard all these myths about it. There's no way he's that good, and you've got to wait you know however long the film is to find out whether he is or not. I haven't seen it, but I think Equalizer follows a similar sort of pattern. <coughs> no, I've not seen that either. But I, I will one day. I think it's it's they made a sequel, so it must have been half decent. And I always like a bit of Denzel, so I would quite happily watch uh, the Equalizer. Yeah, there's definitely an audience for it, and it's it's a popular genre. As I say, the film Nobody, the Bob mm. Odenkirk, because of all these action heroes, he's just about as unassuming as it gets. <laughs> Bob Odenkirk, he's not your classic definitely. sort of Liam Neeson. Even Viggo Mortensen. Yeah, I mean Viggo Mortensen. He's 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 quite a broad guy, isn't he? So he's got the he's know, got the chin, he's got the butt chin. You know, he looks like he's he's been in a fight or two. Bob Odenkirk seems like he's run away from a few fights, <laughs> and so he has that <laughs> unassuming quality. Yeah, you said you, was it any good? Nobody, you yeah, you've seen it. It's really you? good. It's really good. It's, Is it worth watching? I might yeah, I think it's it something like it's directed by the stunt guy of John Wick, or it's got some shared DNA oh, of John Wick. Yeah, yeah, and it is. Yeah. I really I mean, like it. They literally did this like a similar poster, didn't they? Where instead of him having like loads of guns pointed at his face, loads of fists, like, yeah, yeah, loads of fists. Christopher yeah. Lloyd is fantastic in Nobody as well. It's uh, yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. It's a lot of fun, proper cinema, yeah. uh, popcorn movie. Um, and so I really like that about this film, and it does. Viggo Mortensen is in, is incredible. I, th- I know you said he this wasn't really stretched because he's been that stoic macho sort of thing, but. I think it must take a lot of effort that to to convey a lot of stuff without saying much. And he's, you know, you, you use the phrase mild mannered. It really is the only phrase to describe uh, what his characters really like. And it, mm, and it lends definitely. lends an air of ambiguity. You know, when Ed, Ed Harris's character turns up and starts calling him Joey, you mm. know, pretty early on, I think by the way that he's acting, by the way that Tom's acting, that. He really is Joey, but there is there is there was a sense where I thought, okay, he's never come out and explicitly said it, so maybe it'll turn out he's not Joey, and this is a misunderstanding. But Vigo Monsters does a good job of of the character acting badly and lying badly. There's a sort of flickering yeah. in his eye where you know that he's lying to his wife, um, and I think that must be hard for an actor to do. It's like watching, um, gosh, what's his name, Tommy. Um, the, the comedian uh, magician from the 80s to 70s and 80s. Shit, Tommy. 
Oh, t- um, oh, you've made me forget him now. <laughs> oh no, I know who you're on. Oh shit, yeah, just like with that. the fez, yeah, Tommy Cooper, like Tommy Cooper. You know, you know, making it look bad, uh, but yeah. actually doing it well, and, and you know that that sort of thing. Um, there is a that must take an extra amount of skill to to act badly. You're being the character yeah. acting badly. Um, so yeah. I think that was quite obvious, but I, I kind of liked that. But there is an ambiguity there. I like that it's very surprising as well. I mean. The opening scene is the the really bad guy, killer guys, you know, the remorseless killers. And that's a trope I quite like as well. One of my favourite, uh, Dean, when I was growing up, Dean Koontz was my favourite writer when I was in my kind of early teens. Mm. And he had a really good book called Mr. Murder. And it follows mm. a guy who's kind of going from diner to diner, just killing people for their RV or, you know, killing people for money or whatever. Just getting by. And I quite like that trope of these just drifters who just mercilessly mm. kill innocent people for they don't really care. And it sets those people up. Those are literally in the first scene. And so when, spoiler alert, by the way, for the film, when they're killed by Tom, just unceremoniously killed, the rug is completely taken out from under you. Because because I'd just seen uh, a, like one sentence from the synopsis, which was something like, there was a there's a problem at the diner. I honestly thought mm. that it's a 90 minute film because it must be sort of like a bottle film where they're in the diner the whole time and it's really going right. to be this pr- be prolonged struggle with these people, you know, sort of phone booth yeah. type film or whatever. Um, so they just die and you go, well, okay, that's, wh- what am I doing for the other 75 minutes of this film? I mean, they're set up for the, a good like five minutes at the beginning of the film as these yeah. like, remorseless killers aren't they as well exactly and and you just go well they're obviously going to be the bad guys and they die and then Edda Harris is there and you go well obviously he can't die until the very end and he dies like a dickhead with 30 minutes to go so you're like well yeah this is I'd totally taken I'd by surprise I'd forgotten actually like how soon into the film he dies yeah like I was like oh he dies at the end <laughs> or near you know like with like 15 minutes to go I didn't realise there was like another half an hour of the film still to go I mean it literally yeah. is it's like 35 I'm just scrolling through it now yeah, it's, yeah 40 yeah. minutes left after he dies um, yeah. so you go okay well what's going to happen next and I really like that because I, I love being surprised it's you know to there's a bit of a, a um, subverting expectations has a bit of a bad rap in a sort of post-MCU Game of Thrones season 8 world of uh, well if we just subvert their expectations that's going to be or not so much MCU as DCEU uh, that'll be the good thing to do but it totally works uh, in this case um, I think in this film the kind of the the moment of oh my gosh he actually you know the kind of the plot twist so to speak isn't actually that it turns out that he is this person no. who Ed Harris is saying is because it'd be weird if it was just a guy who didn't have any connections yeah. to Philadelphia it would be quite a tragic didn't... film if he was a mistaken identity and he dies at the end and yeah. his family died it'd still be interesting yeah. but it wouldn't be as interesting as this guy's like life falling apart no you know what I mean? and i think i think it's laid on thick enough that he's not telling the truth but it is fascinating yeah. at what point is he going to tell his wife if at all at what point is that going to come through for me the plot twist was more that his brother wants to kill him yeah and that he kills his brother yeah yeah and you said you know still the show you got a you got an oscar nomination for this william hurt he's in the film for one scene for less than 10 minutes and, well, he should have. I wonder who beat. I wonder who beat him that year because 
because like I mean you look at Judy Dench in 98 when yeah. she made it for uh, Shakespeare in Love and she didn't really she's do she's basically not in the film, film. <laughs> yeah uh, yeah I mean it's amazing you know obviously uh, one of the more famous is Anthony Hopkins for Silence of the Lambs when he's he's not even the main villain in that film he's, he's really not in it no. for much no. but you know he's remembered way more than Wild Bill although Wild Bill is what I remembered so apparently it was George Clooney I mean, what, I mean Wild for, Bill uh, gets so George Clooney got Bill it for Syriana the only thing I ever remember from that film is Matt Damon telling some Arab guy that they should invest in their schools and infrastructure rather than spending millions on hotels and things like that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I have no idea. I, that's yeah, I've got no. I don't. You can't even picture the poster of that film. I have to say, I can. I I, I remember it. I saw it. Um, it was meant to be very sort of. Oh, this is very political at the time. Uh, it's uh, not really that. Oh really, yeah, yeah, no, completely. So the others actually were Matt Dillon in the Bad Crash film. Uh, to be fair, he is one of the better actors in that the yeah. Bad Crash film. Uh, Paul Giamatti in Cinderella Man, which I still haven't seen actually. Oh, it's all right. Is that film? It uh, might be a boring man film. Though, yeah, it's that's the, again. Like, Russell Crowe's got his fair share of boring bland man. Have films. you seen Rocky? Yeah. It's I've basically it's Rocky. <laughs> okay. Essentially, yeah. The others but were, it's good. And the other one was Jake Gyllenhaal or Gyllenhaal in Brokeback Mountain. Uh, I've still not seen yeah. that, so I so maybe he who who won it then? So George Clooney in Syriana. Oh, right. No, I think from what I hear, Jake Gyllenhaal probably should have won it. To be fair, yeah. Similar to you, I never got around to watching Brokeback Mountain, but I hear it's very very good. Um, so we might do that yeah. another time. It, uh, of course, was, was nominated, but lost out to Crash. Yeah, I can't believe Crash won <laughs> that Oscar, man. It's, it's I, I don't know, what else? I mean, Green, I mean, another Viggo Mortensen film, to go off on a tangent. Green Book won the Oscar it, 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 a few years ago. It will be another one that goes down as a, what were they thinking? This is too Oscar-y, too, like, this yeah. just doesn't make sense. Yeah, I mean, it, it beat Brokeback Mountain, Capote, Goodnight and Good Luck, and Munich. Munich's a very good film. Have yeah. you seen that? No. no. Oh, I think we might have to do Munich at some point. Yeah. It's a bit long, so we might wait till... We might do it at Christmas. When I've got a bit of time off work, perhaps, yeah. I'll, I'll yeah, stick it on the old asleep. list anyway. Because it's not a boring man film, but it does have some... It, no, it's just a really good film. Fair enough, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's one of those quiet sort of... Because Spielberg's made so many great films, you forget that he's actually got a film like Munich in his right. back catalogue. You know, mm. I'll, I'll, I'll definitely I look forward to it because I'm sure it's going to be great. Um, well, it's it's a dark. I mean, it's more in line with like a Schindler's yeah, List rather you than enjoy it, you, you know Jurassic Park. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I, yeah. I can't. I won't turn my nose up at fucking Steven Spielberg. Yeah. So that's, yeah, that's fine. So, what, that. for you, what were the themes then of this film, or what what did you enjoy in thematically? Well, I mean. It's it's hard to ignore the sort of Jean-Jacques Rousseau, the sins of the fathers will be, uh, what is it, like, paid for by the sons or will be passed on the, the sins of the sons. Kind of like Place Beyond the Pines, which I absolutely love, mm. you know, this idea that you, mm. you sort of turn out like your dad. <laughs> you turn out your dad like <laughs> your dad inevitably. And I think that's an interesting, an interesting thing because it's what's really clear in his son's first confrontation with this jock bully, uh, Bobby, is that he is 
pretty headstrong, you know, and he's not, even though he's, he cowers to him, he cowers to him and, and outsmarts him and makes him look like yeah. a dickhead. And then when he actually batters him, um, that I thought was interesting because he's clearly learned some skills, presumably from his dad growing up somehow. Um, and I thought that was interesting. And then the fact that, that Tom slash Joey doesn't, doesn't want his son to use violence. Uh, but then he's violent towards his son, and he gives him some lip. That was I just thought that was a very yeah. interesting theme. How about you? What, what what was a theme that stood out to you? I mean, I yeah that that whole sort of that whole exchange between him and his son is really interesting, isn't it? Because the son solves a problem that he's clearly been having. You know, we've been shown as the audience what the problem is, but he's he's dealt with it in the only way that the only language quite frankly that the bully will understand I think yeah. and I think it's and it's interesting that A he gets suspended and B his dad reacts so badly because yeah. like if it, you know I think other parents might have been gone well look you shouldn't have beaten him up that badly yeah. which I think is kind of his point but you you did the right thing like to me I felt he was harshly harsh on him because because the only what other choice did he have do you know yeah that character's baggage that he had was you know you know i used violence as a young man and you know i managed to you know i killed people i maimed people you know i managed to escape from he that. knows better than anyone be like, that actually it's not what's going to solve things although it does solve every single problem he has in this film <laughs> well that's the irony isn't it yeah um well the themes of like what you know if like this is why this is a really good film even maybe a great film a very underrated film I think this this can definitely go down as an underrated film do you know what I mean yeah, yeah. it's because basically if I was making this film and this is why I'm not a screenwriter or a filmmaker I wouldn't call it a, I wouldn't give it a vague title like a history of violence that has layers as de, as the directors talk, talked about and I'm going to discuss with you now in a minute but I would have called it The Lie or something mm. like that you know I'd have given the game away you know I'd have called it <laughs> like the film The, the Game whereas it turns out yeah. it's in a game and I think don't call it The Game then <laughs> <laughs> yeah because for me one of the themes of this along with the one you were saying is about how you know what what sort of like you can't outrun a lie essentially mm. you can pretend to be yeah. something else you can you can pretend that yeah these things haven't happened and you can you know you can you know like what tom does is he builds or joey does he does he builds a lie for himself that is that is idyllic you know what i yeah. mean it really is almost perfect but ultimately that that lie catches up with him and it has consequences and his past has consequences. Yeah, and I so think I, that's... I, uh, with regards to relationships that are built on lies, that's an interesting mm. thing. Or just histories. And for most people, the closest we get to that is the fact that when you're in a relationship as an adult, you have to contend with the fact that you've had a sexual history and they've had a sexual history that predates the relationship. Mm. This, mm. In this case, it's a much more extreme, bloody version of that, but yeah. to some extent we've all had to experience something like that in our lives, that when you get into a relationship with somebody, you take them for everything that they are. Yeah, and it's interesting, and this is what makes this film so good, is it's because their relationship it's still intact but it's irrevocably changed yeah. by this lie and I really like I'm, the ambiguous I'm, ending that, that she doesn't get up from the table and go and hug him and embrace him and accept him back into their lives no. because it is irrevocably changed but I don't yeah. need to see her and him have a, an argument about that I was kind of glad yeah. that he came back and the daughter accepts him back whatever happens I thought that was yeah really it, it very much feels like 
a couple that will get divorced once the daughter goes away to <laughs> yeah. university. Yeah, exactly. I think. It's, it's like the at the end of um, the first Black Mirror episode with the the, pres- the prime minister. You know, his wife oh, yeah. still shows up to functions afterwards, but she walks off as soon as he tries to hold her hand when the door's closed. You know, <laughs> like yeah. she's she's going to do just enough for now, but she'll never she'll yeah. never trust in the same way. Yeah, she, it's like literally she does. It's almost she does exactly what's expected of her. She lies for him. She has sex with him, but then when the sex is over, she's... I'm still mad at yeah. you. I'm still yeah, angry yeah. that you lied to me. I'm still... You know, although that she's not doing that out of duty at that point, but it's... What did you, you know, make almost, of that sex scene? What do you think that was about? Well, we'll get onto it in a bit. Okay. Because... <laughs> <laughs> so, the, the, the other themes I wanted to talk about... So, this is what David Cronenberg talked about. He said... Um, he was he was very much, I think, because this kind of came out the same time as like, uh, or there was a lot of talk about. He talks a lot about Darwinianism and you know a lot of talk of Dawkins and the selfish gene and all this, and he basically says, you know, I think it's like it's in the Ebert's full art. To be fair, we're going to talk about Ebert in a bit and his and his review of it. But this is one of the best reviews for a film I've read by him. Oh wow! For that a, by a high long bar. way, yeah, yeah. And he talks about basically Cronenberg said that it's like got three layers or something. It's like it's got like a history of so it's like the title is a history of violence, i.e. the character's history of violence. Then the second layer is like or the second history of violence is. Like, oh, do you know what? I'm going to have to look it quickly up because I want to. I don't want to get it wrong. I can edit this gap out because I need. I want to get this Ebert. Uh, don't re- usually do this, but I feel in this case I need to because it's basically the themes that the the you know the director himself has has said is important. Um, so a history of violence has three levels. It refers to one, to a suspect with a long history of violence, two, to the historical use of violence as a means of settling disputes, and three, uh, and three, to the innate violence of Darwinian evolution in which better adapted organisms replace those less able to cope. Right. And Cronenberg uh, himself says, I am a complete Darwinianism, um, basically. So he's like, so this is... So it, it, that's why at the beginning you have the scene where the two murderers kill those that family. I think essentially mm. is what it is, or is it, it's what it's alluded to, you know. And it shows their their ruthless evil, and that if um, and you know I think what he said, I think either Cronenberg or what um, Ebert said was basically if he wasn't who he pretended he wasn't. He would have died in that diner. They yeah. would have. Those guys were clearly there, going to murder those people in that diner. You know, one, that one was going to get raped, and they were all going to be murdered horrifically by these men who have clearly shown their propensity to kill children. Essentially, yeah. so you know, killing a bunch of teenagers and adults wasn't going to bat an eyelid for them. But because Joey, ha- uh, Joey, yes, say Joey, Joey, Tom had had that Darwinian sort of survival violent instinct in him he was able to survive and to protect himself and you know ultimately he protects his family and then that you know by the end of the film the son ends up having um, you know protected himself but obviously that's you know because he used violence to to get out of a tricky situation and ultimately that bully's not going to bully that kid again yeah. do you know what I mean so we're so, saying that the sex scene is almost a she's attracted to how dominant this male is in a sort of Darwinian kind of way 
there does there was a feeling of that. I did think, you know, there because he kind of grabs her and I, like I, I don't really know what his purpose on this when he grabs her is. He's just grabbing her for the sake of it. Or well, it's a full on fight, go, isn't it? You know, it's proper yeah, fight, and he doesn't he, back he down. He grabs her throat, doesn't he? Yeah, he, he, he. That's Joey coming out, isn't it? Yeah, there's like a flash of violence across his eyes, isn't there? And, yeah, it's a strange... It is a strange one, but it's... Yeah. Um, because we're going to speak about it, let's go on to favourite scenes, favourite lines, favourite shot then. So for you, Sam, what was your favourite scene? Well, I mean, before we do that, I haven't said anything that I didn't like about the film. You didn't, have you? Gosh, yeah. you know what? I'd looked at the time. And <laughs> so we must have done I heard that. what you said, and I completely forgot to ask you. Yeah, sorry, Sam. No, that's absolutely fine. Uh, because there, there really wasn't much at all, and I think this is more yeah. of a consequence of a decision that I liked. That What I liked about the film was that it pulled the rug out and it killed these uh, antagonists so, so quickly. But I think what happened hmm. there was... And and I, and I hate to just use a term for the sake of using a term, but in a sense, he's a passive protagonist. Um, that he doesn't have this goal other than he wants to maintain this lifestyle he's made for himself, and people come in to try to upset that, and then he he stops him right. from doing so. And that's not a criticism of the character because he's not so passive as he as to run away from people. He's he makes up for it by being incredibly good at fighting and and taking the initiative. But what it does is it occasionally creates this lull after the bad guys have been killed, where there's a sort of lack of tent, lack of uh, pace or something like that. I think it is helped by being a ninety minute film. So this is sort of not a criticism to say that they should have done it differently or better, just to say that the the downside of killing off your antagonist so suddenly is that it creates a vacuum uh, for five right. or ten minutes before the next one is established. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I can see that. I get your point. Um, yeah, I mean, I suppose he's a passive character to that extent. He's that a sort of big Lebowski, you know. He just wants to keep living his life and people get, keep <laughs> yeah. getting in the way. Just a very different yeah, kind he's of really, film. Yeah, he's, he really wants to look after the rug in his yeah. house. Yeah. <laughs> it really tied the room um, together. <laughs> but I wouldn't yeah we we have this argument don't we and I think bad films have passive characters where they are reacting to things but in this case that's the premise if yeah, that makes sense it's intrinsic to the character he doesn't want to be active yeah. in this in this scene it's just I guess maybe that's the wrong way of phrasing the criticism but just as I said it, it creates a bit of a vac- vacuum when you kill and off these bad ultimately, guys I suppose ultimately he does become active, doesn't he? Because he goes to Philadelphia yeah. rather than waiting yeah, for his yeah. brother to come to him. Yeah. Um, rightio, as I said, favourite scenes, favourite lines, favourite shot? Tricky, because I loved so many of the scenes. It really is. I do have a long list of scenes. So I think I think the, the, the one that stands out for when I really liked this film was the, was the diner scene where he killed the two main bad guys. Because really? that was just a, wow, what was that? You know, and it was dis- it's so quick, isn't so it? quick. It displayed his sort of athleticism in battle and surprised the hell out of me. So I think that, for its right. intensity and shock value, was great. Yeah, yeah. I, I I almost would have if I was the only thing I could I would change about this film. But I think you need to know that is their kind of their mo. Those two guys, you know, and the kind of the way they behave and what they're capable of. But I would almost have that act of violence maybe is almost the first act of violence maybe just show what those guys are capable of you know like the way he walks in and he he gets the water and he, you see the dead bodies yeah. 
Like I almost would have liked that to be the first because obviously you don't see him shoot the little girl, but you know what you know. You they see can't him hold show the gun. No, no, but to do that. No, literally. <laughs> I thought, can you not show people killing kids on film? Is that Probably against not. the? Hmm. I mean, I've I never seen it. I don't think. I mean, yeah, I don't, yeah. So that's one for the listeners. That one, listeners, if you know about any children. Small children being killed in movies. He was really into um, it, and he wants recommendations. <laughs> no, no, it's just one of these things. Is it something that can they can they can or can't I they show? Right the into it. Anyway, email yeah, us let us know. Email us in at please watch this dot pod at gmail dot com or at please watch pod on the Twitter. Yeah, on the yeah. Twit. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I would have liked that almost to be the first because it kind of shows you. The level that this film's actually operating at in terms of its themes and its. Well, what is it you, know, you wanted to see them being gratuitously violent in that to show it? To shock the audience, like you saying there, it's quite shocking. On the other hand, sense. it shows how remorseless they are that he's like he's gone in to sort them out, and then the other guy goes in, and you're like, oh my god, what's happening here? It's very unsettling, and he doesn't bat an eye. I sort of prefer yeah. that we don't see the violence. It's more, it's much more, much more banal than that, isn't it? Yeah. Fair enough. Uh, for me, favourite scene I've put uh, when Edie lies and they then have sex because it's just it's just an incredible scene. Just from you know the, the the suspicious police officer comes around, Tom's almost about to confess, and then suddenly Edie turns on the waterworks. Yeah. <laughs> she knows what she knows wife. how to manipulate a man to just cry and he'll, he'll yeah. leave the room as quickly as possible. Yeah, yeah. She she really uses her. Feminine wiles, <laughs> <laughs> but in a you know in a kind of helpless leave us alone. Haven't we been through enough? Yeah, sort of and believable as well. And then as soon as he's gone, she's she storms off, and um, yeah, they have this weird sort of angry sex scene. Which yeah, it's one of those that I couldn't explain to somebody. If you if you were saying like, oh, one thing I didn't really like was why did they have sex like that, and when why did they have sex? Yeah, there? I, could, you could I couldn't never explain I couldn't it. explain it, but it made perfect sense in the film, didn't it? I don't think you could ever explain it to somebody who hasn't had a long-term relationship. (laughs) Because there is, there is a point when you're in a long-term relationship, you have a big fight, you know, maybe not to the extent these guys have in terms of actual, you know, real truths about who the person really is. But yeah, you have a big fight and then you solve it with sex. (laughs) What's interesting is I, I completely got the scene, but I don't really have any experience of that. I've got lots of experience of long-term relationships, but I don't think I've ever had an argument with somebody and then had angry sex. I know that's a thing. It's a proper cultural phenomenon, but it's just never something that, that I think I'm more of a sulker. (laughs) But but it makes sense in the film within the context of everything, doesn't it? There's something about it. it, Well, maybe you could describe it as, Angry sort of makeup sex. Then I don't think it's makeup sex, though, is it? It's it's it not doesn't that. feel it's like a, it's, 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 al- sex. it's almost an expression of of that. Like you're talking about the Darwinianism, uh, it's an expression mm. of that violence and and intensity. Yeah, and again, it's one of those things that I can't explain in words, but made perfect sense in the in the context yeah. of the film. And another, just to mention another scene is the William Hurt scene. Oh, yeah. It really is. He just steals the show. He's got this weird sort of mm. vaguely sort of camp eccentricity and laconic kind of arrogance about him and he's so interesting and just the mm. little moments you know and he's very he, the character is very unlikable for the five yeah. minutes he's on he's, screen it's like watching he? fucking still in Skarsgård in uh, Dune uh, yeah, <laughs> you know yeah. the Baron um, yeah he's got that about him but uh, it also shows a lot of how 
amazing Joey is at fighting and killing, <laughs> which is a great combination. Oh, yeah, when that guy pops his head through the door yeah. and he breaks his neck. <laughs> Oof. I remember that the first time I saw that, I, I was just like, whoa, what? Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. that leads me nice into, I think, my favourite line, which or what, my second favourite line was when, when, I mean, all the guy's got to do is, is strangle him. And when he can't do it and he's get killed, gets killed by Joey, he says, how do you fuck that up? <laughs> how do you, And he just kicks the guy when he's on the ground. How do you fuck that up? You know, <laughs> all he wanted mm. to do, go behind him, garrot him, kill him. How do you fuck that up? was a great line because he's just so incredulous. Yeah. I mean, I suppose Joey knew something was about to happen, so he was kind of ready, wasn't yeah. he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and when he's like, oh, you could die. And he's like, yeah, something's about to happen. Yeah, to so, so he's kind of on guard. Yeah. To do um, my favorite line is also from that scene, uh, and it's when um, William Hurt's um, character, who is called Richie. Uh, Richie, it's when Richie says, "If I just quickly find it in my notes, do do do." It's like, "Hey, when you dream, are you still Joey?" Yeah. And that perfectly kind of sums up the sort of this double life that he's been leading, you yeah. know. And he's, you know, his response is, "I killed Joey." Yeah. It went out in the desert. Which is interesting. And killed him. Yeah, it, I have to say, it's not a film that's jam-packed full of great lines. Maybe that's the one drawback to it. Perhaps it is smartly written, even in dialogue. Oh, yeah. But it's not. Yeah, it's not like a quote. You you wouldn't quote this film to somebody and they immediately know what you're talking about. Although yeah. Richie does say something where I think I've heard that a million times before, but when I googled it this was the film that showed up um, and it's when he says oh, right. um, when he talks about marriage and he says I never met one uh, woman who made me want to give up all the others and I don't know if that's a common saying or it was said first in this film and that's why people say it it's a good line isn't it, it is it? yeah uh, favourite shot quite a few not the, uh, not the, not the ones from, from Joey when he's killing people boomtish yeah <laughs> quite a good few shots there was a really good comedic cut when um, Tom phones ahead and says they're coming, get the shotgun, and they go through all that, and then he comes in and it just cuts, it just turns to uh, his son just eating breakfast, like looking at the milk dribbling <laughs> yeah. down. <laughs> the great he's like, What's the, what the fuck's going on here? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah he's been there that entire it. scene, basically. <laughs> um, mine, in terms of actual shot composition, I don't think there's many great ones in this one, but there's two that stood out for me, which was the one at the beginning when that guy holds the gun up to the little girl and it just kind of shows you from her kind of, well, not her point of view, but you see him hold the gun up. And then the other is when he's down at the little lake or pond or whatever it is when he's cleaning himself up. Yeah, and you see him kind of clean, trying to clean himself. You know, he's, he's he, you know, there's me- it's metaphorical as well. You know, maybe you could also actually, you know what? I'll let you do. You did you did yours, didn't you? Yeah. So the other one, I would say maybe. You know, when the little girl, you get the top-down view of the plate, like the empty plate oh, with yeah. knife and fork. Yeah, that's nice. Maybe that as well. But it's the one that area. Like, I think that's one thing you could say about something like Place Beyond the Pines is it is so beautifully shot. Yeah. Where this is a little functional at times. It is, but I think um, it's not boring, it, but it is quite functional. There's a, there's another quite comedic shot I like, which is when Bobby he cuts he cuts off the uh, the car of the bad guys you know the, the merciless oh, guys yeah. and he goes to like flip the bird and looks at them and they just look at him like like crocodiles dead eyes looking at crocodiles. like breakfast and he, just, <laughs> and he just puts it away and that was quite a nice shot and finally I think uh, a shot that Intense, I think is quite shot. significant in this film is 
at just after what's the sun called? Is it Jake? Um, I forget. But anyway, yeah. After let's go with Jake. after his son shoots Ed <laughs> Harris's character and he falls mm. over. Um, Joey slash Tom has got blood splatter on his face, and he just sort of looks mm. in this kind of gnarled way at his Jack. son. It is Jack. Jack, is Jack. I'd never yeah, noticed before Jack. how much Viggo Mortensen looks like Ed Harris, but there's a shot when he's got blood splattered on his face. When apart from Does the it? hair, he looks strikingly like Ed Harris, um, and he Take just basically looks demented, uh, looking at his son covered in blood. Um, mm. And it is uh, yeah, it's a quite a telling shot, basically, where his son seems to see his dad differently. Mm. Mm. Uh, oh. I really like it. Good stuff. Good stuff. Um... Yeah, Harris, he's not really in it for that long, is he? No. But he's, he's he's very good in it as well. He's Oh, he's fantastic. Like you said, yeah. you feel like he's the the big boss, don't you, sort of character. Yeah, but I mean, Ed Harris is actually, rarely less than a 10 out of 10. Yeah, <laughs> he is superb. Yeah. He's, he's always kind of like the second guy, isn't he? He's always a supporting player these days. Yeah. Often. But he's he's always he's always a, a character who's in a position of like some sort of authority, isn't yeah. he? In a lot of films, and you know, like he's the he's the he's the he's Wilfred, isn't he? In um, Snowpiercer, in, uh, Snowpiercer, and stuff like that. Right, Sam, we're going to have a final break, and then when you come back, we're going to get the critics' rating, your rating, a quick quiz, and then we're going to find out what we're doing next week. So join us after the break, listeners. Hello, welcome to the third and final part of our look at a history of violence. So we've had a history of part one and part two. Now, are you, we're going to get some violent reactions from the critics, Sam? Absolutely. Do you think, do you think, do you think they're going to like it or love it? I think they're going to love it. Let's find out. So who's the main man? I've already mentioned him. I've already quoted him tonight. But who is, who's we going to look at? It's first? obviously Roger Ebert. It is indeed, it is indeed. Old Snoop Roger Rog. Uh, this, so brace yourself, because there's a lot here that he's talked about. Um, so, you'll probably agree with most of this. Let me say that Hurt has done a lot of good acting in a lot of intriguing roles. But during his brief screen time in A History of Violence, he sounds, he, he, he sounds notes we have not heard before. Sorry, he sounds notes that we've not heard from him before. Basically, That's easy for you to say. Clearly not. Um, he goes on to say, A history of violence seems deceptively straightforward, coming from a director with Cronenberg's uh, quirky complexity. But think again, this is not a movie about plot, but about character. It's about how people turn out the way they do, and about whether the world sometimes functions like a fool's paradise. Uh, he further goes on to say, At the Toronto Film Festival, I saw a screening of Nanook of the North, the great documentary about Eskimos surviving in the um, hostile arctic wilderness they live because they hunt and kill of the three levels a history of violence refers to i think cronenberg is most interested in the third in the survival of the fittest not the good the moral the nice but the fittest the movie is based 
on the graphic novels by John Wagner and Vince Locke. It could also be illuminated by The Selfish Gene by Richard Dawkins. I think that's why Cronenberg gives his hero a son to show that Jack inherits what he did not ever suspect his father possessed. How many stars do you think old Roger gave? Sounds like a four out of four to me. Give it three and a half. Yeah, okay. okay. Yeah, he doesn't really explain why, though. He just... Yeah does um i did i actually searched high and low to try and find you a um actually a negative or not so glowing review of this film so because i just couldn't think i genuinely personally couldn't think of criticisms for it because no. i didn't see any which i know is bad chris film bad movie <laughs> criticism because nothing is perfect um and i had to go as far as crypt moviecrypt.com <laughs> and unfortunately the re- the author is touted as Grim D Reaper. <laughs> okay, the hell right. Well, that was last yeah. week. <laughs> Sorry? That was last week, the Halloween specials. So. <laughs> yes, yes. And this, But it's a contemporary review, and the guy's still going, apparently. Still reviewing movies on the internet. You can go to moviecrypt.com and find his thoughts and feelings Good about things. But there. he basically says... Yeah, it was on it was on Rotten Tomato. It was the first negative review that came up after about three pages. Right. <laughs> uh, no matter what the action no matter what action Mortensen's character takes in violence, he looks like he's ripped up inside and one heart beat short of putting a gun to his head. Since the fact that he doesn't snap and continues to go on appears to be the point of this of the film. It's easy to appreciate that the filmmakers did not take the easy way out. And that's when the problem hit me. The filmmakers didn't take any way out. Abandoning a character at a critical crossroad, the filmmakers having made their point and ending the film there. He goes on to say further, what happens next? The next day, a week later, sadly, there is a finality to death, a conviction or merely an arrest that's... Uh, that says that somehow atonement was reached. Not necessarily a happy Hollywood ending, but an ending nonetheless. Everything about violence says it isn't going to end like this, and then it does. Well acted and beautifully shot, a history of violence simply fails to deliver what it promises to fulfil another... Uh, well, it promises to fulfil another agenda. And he gave it two out of four stars, so he's going with the... Uh, Classic Ebert four-star uh, yeah. system. I mean, I can see his point, but I don't agree with it, because I don't... Th- He's basically saying the film abandons its its consequences of what happens, but you see the consequences. I think. Well, I mean, any film could have another five hours tacked on if we're like, yeah, but then, <laughs> but then what happened? But then what happened? <laughs> you know? Yeah. No, I, I really yeah. liked it. That's why it three Star Wars sequels were made <laughs> thirty years after the over thirty years after the last one was made. Yeah, yeah. people want to know. Yeah, I, can, I understand it, but I don't agree with it. Yeah. And I think if the guy went back and watched it now, I think he might see it differently maybe because it's it's easy to get a bad take the first time you see a film sometimes yeah exactly like some films do need repeated viewing I think Um, but yeah but anyway Sam the real question the one the listeners want to know is what you think of the film and we use a out of 10 rating system so how many wives in cheerleader outfits out of 10 Ooh. would you give a history of violence uh, I'd give a one I know I was going to say out of 2 I'd give a, yeah, um, <laughs> I, I, I was really torn it is at least an 8 at least an nine. 8 is what I'll say I think I could easily be persuaded to think 8.5 9 might be think- a bit of a stretch do you think this is a film that could sit with you for a few years and then you'd go, oh yeah, that was a good film? I think like, so. It could it could be a standout. In the same way that when I think about what films have we done in the last six months, for some reason Mississippi Burning stands out uh, yeah. more than a lot. 
Um, and I don't know why, but that is, you know, that sort of thing. And I think this could stand out a bit more than some like that. Mm, yeah. Potentially. So I'll, I'll go with so. 8.5. Cool. I like it. Yeah, for me, it's a 9. 9 out of 10, wow. I think. That's it good. really is that good. Is. I was surprised at how good it was when I watched it last night. Yeah. Yeah, I, I can't <coughs> argue makes, against that. Can't do it. It makes me think, actually, We and it's not a film we can sadly review on this podcast because we've both seen it, but I remember not really liking No Country for All Men, but I think really the problem was I was too young yeah, same. for that film. Completely Even though I was, agree. Completely agree. I think yeah. I was an adult when I saw it. I was like 19, 20. Yeah. And I think I saw this film maybe around the same time because I think I watched a lot of like similar-ish films in like a three-year period at like the end of the noughties where I was watching more like adult films but not like adult films but no. grown-up films there's no way um, of saying grown-up film without it sounding like you're talking about porn you know films for adults <laughs> like not for children like grown-up films with adult <laughs> themes yeah I'm, a, yeah I'm absolutely the same I, th- I feel like I've you know, developed and matured as a person and a film viewer. So yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe we could just watch it for ourselves without it being for content, or we could oh, do an wow. episode Watching about a it. Watching a film for, for content. <laughs> we could do an sure. entire episode about we rewatch a film that we've both seen but misunderstood we'd or have to, underrated. We'd have to have special circumstances. Wouldn't yeah, we? it's our bloody um, show. We could do what we want. We could do next do week want, just mate. as a review of the Manchester do, United could, of Man City derby. Yeah. Like we could do whatever yeah. we want, Hugh. We're not in a contract. Yeah, here. yeah. We could talk about the Mona Lisa for an hour. Listener, what do you wanted. want us to talk about? We'll just talk about that. Yeah, yeah. Just email in. Um, yeah, I think. Yeah, I think I've definitely like. I was worried when we picked this last week. I was like, "Oh, is that film as good as I remember it being, or is it just is it a middling film? Is it like a seven, six, or a seven out of ten? And then I watched, like I said, I watched it again Fucking last night. Good, isn't I, was, it? <laughs> I just couldn't believe how good it was. I was like, I was like, actually, after I watched, it, I was like, that film was fucking amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway, Sam, let's see how closely Ooh. you're paying attention to a history of violence. Let's, find out. Um, let's hope you weren't googling a history of violence and you know reading about the Trojan War or something. <laughs> Who knows? Uh, question one: What town do they live in? It tells you. Yeah, they say it oh, on the news. It's it only says it once. To be fair, so good luck if you're. I in absolutely there. have it in there, and it's a name. It's not Milwaukee, obviously, but it's like that. It's like a. It is an M. Yeah, I'll give you that. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. Just, just, I will have just to give me forty-five minutes to think about it. I mean, I can give you forty-five minutes, but <laughs> you know, it's uh, you'll have to tell me. I'll be a bit for listening. Go on, I'm ready to kick myself. Can, all right, because I've written down the state here. Can you remember the state? I think Go it's for the state Indianapolis. That's not state. Indiana, sorry, Indiana. <laughs> yes, yeah. so it's in, set in Indiana, but it's in a town called Millbrook. Millbrook, that's right. I know it's a fictional Milk town. Close. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it could be, there's probably towns out there called Millbrook. I can imagine there is. Right, this might be, this one's a bit easier. Question two, what's the name of the diner? You know, that should be easy. Uh, oh, it's uh, Stahl's Diner. It is. Yeah. It is. Yeah. Well done. Thanks, well mate. Done. Um yeah, it's just she's like, oh my god, our name. Yeah, you know, it was why available. did you? <laughs> Great yeah. answer. <laughs> yeah, I love her response yeah. as well. I guess she doesn't guess I was available. Yeah. Um, oh, this is so easy. What? Do, this is how bad. This is how hard it was to get questions <laughs> for this film. Uh, what does Carl keep calling Tom? Joey Cusack. Indeed, he does. Um, where does Tom say he went to kill Joey Cusack? In the desert. 
goes, Cause in the desert you can't remember your exactly name. Exactly, he's very highly influenced by that song. Clearly, he was. And this is how hard it was for questions for this bloody film. Uh, how many people does Joey kill? Oh, I like that question a lot. Okay, so two at the yep. start, obviously the bad guys right. in the diner. He yep. kills Carl and his two henchmen, so that's five. Uh, yeah. I don't think he kills anyone between that. And then, of course, his brother and one, two, three, four of his henchmen, I want to say. So that's ten. Ooh, you were so close. You, I did the exact same thing. So go back and actually think about it a bit more. Who does he actually kill? Okay. So he, of the bad think guys, more towards, he definitely yeah, kills the bad those guys. two. Oh, of course, he kills doesn't, he doesn't kill beginning. Carl. Yeah, so he kills nine. And who else doesn't he kill? Uh, oh, nearly kills him. Don't get me wrong. Oh, what is is this? Somebody who doesn't quite kill. Yep. Oh, is it his brothers? It's it's in that scene, right? Uh, oh well, I guess he doesn't quite kill the guy that tried to garrot him, and that's killed by Richie. So eight. Eight indeed, yeah. Eight is the answer, yeah. I did exactly the same thing. I went, oh yeah, well he kills but all these people the two died. guys at the beginning. <laughs> it's probably yeah, he Joey. killed the three that attacked him, but it was like, oh no, Carl, uh, Jack kills Carl, and then I was like, oh, but then he kills his brother, and then the three dudes there, and I was like, oh no, he doesn't, does yeah. he? He kills, yeah. I mean, he uh, would have fucking died <laughs> if his brother hadn't stuck yes, two bullets was, in him, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Good question. Like well that. done, Sam, well done, Thanks, well buddy. done. Yeah, I think you got uh, one, two, three. You got four in the Ooh, end. Actually. Well better done. than expected. Better yeah, than expected. bit of help, but that. you knew three of them straight off the bat, and we got we did the arithmetic. We in got the there. End. Yeah. <laughs> I could have when you went nine. I could have gone nah, given you three out of five. But but I, we're not I would have been way more. I would have rubbed it in your face. Oh, you think you killed Carl, do you? <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe that's the difference between me that and you. Is. I'm not I'm a much dickhead. more petty. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you would have. Yeah, it's a nice trick question. It was a nice trick question to yeah. be fair. I should have pre- maybe played up the trick question. You need to be a bit more puckish. That's yeah, you know I don't. I just don't have that like experience you have of you know doing trick questions to people who should know better and then, and, and then gloating you know, when my students get it wrong. <laughs> just yeah, like, yeah. ah, you dickhead. Yeah, I've, 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 we've learned a lot about your teaching method. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what that's what I do. Yeah. Right. Well, let's not linger on too much longer, Sam. That was a history of violence. Would you recommend it? I certainly would, and I have. Actually, Ooh. already recommended it to three people. <laughs> so three people, yeah. and you only watched it last night. So yeah, there you that's go. Some you do the math. Yeah, did you kill two of them just to <laughs> make sure that you got the math right? Well, I named them, and then you know somebody else actually killed them. Did the final? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Your daughter's scarred for life now. Well done. <laughs> she even know what a gun was until today. <laughs> I really shouldn't have watched this with her, should I? <laughs> that out too late. You're always making a watch. You know what was it? Halloween last week, <laughs> and now this. <laughs> so, Sam, uh, the only question that remains for me to ask you is: What are we uh, watching next week? Well, next week we're going to watch. Uh, you know, we mentioned Denzel earlier. We're going to watch Man on Fire. What do you know about Man on Fire? So this isn't a film an hour and a half of a guy just going, ah, ah, I'm on fire, put me out, ah. That's the sort of director's cut. The, 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 yeah, right. that's, that's what Tony Scott intended. Uh, you know, it's bonfire right. night tonight. Why not do something that's got the fire in so it? So there's a guy on fire, isn't yeah, there? Yeah, man on fire. So, do you know anything about the plot? 
the, the stars, the so, crew. So to, to, to fess up, I've seen the first like 15 minutes of this film. Okay. Because it was on TV, it was on BBC One a few years back. I sat down to watch it about half 10 at night and I only managed to get maybe 15. I got to the bit at the beginning where he's in his, the car with the little girl. Right. With Dakota Fanning. And then I turned it off for whatever reason. Okay, fair enough. I wasn't bored, but I, I might have been a bit tired. Maybe something like, yeah, you thought, nah, I just it's quite a long film, I'll do it another time. Yeah, I wasn't, maybe, but I genuinely, but honestly, then beyond that, I, I think the plot is she gets kidnapped and he goes sort of Taken-esque looking for her, I think, isn't it? Well, I was inspired to choose that film based on the film we've just watched, so it does have that element to it. It's a film that I've only seen once, uh, highly recommended to me by my good friend Tom, who, uh, if we can sort out the the technicals, then uh, we might try and get him on next week. And, uh, yeah, he really loves Tony Scott films, so he's going to tell us why it's so great. Nice one, nice one. He's a late Tony Scott, isn't he? he yeah. He killed yeah, himself, he did, yeah. sadly. Yeah, yeah about Quite 10 sudden. years ago, I think, now. Yeah. yeah. He's the brother of Ridley Scott. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so we'll, we'll discuss we'll discuss the the Tom uh, the Tony Scott filmography because, like I said, my friend Tom is a, is a yeah. big fan. I think he, he always said he was his favourite director. So, yeah, join mm. us next week for that, listener. Now, did, go on, sorry. Did um, Thingy Scott do um, Top Gun? Do uh, yeah, I think that's Tony Scott. It's yeah. in his sort of wheelhouse. Uh, well, I don't. I'll have to check that. We'll have to I've check not seen many to... Tony Scott films, but uh, but he is bloody good. Is he one of those like you think you, you you don't think you've seen films by him, but it turns out you have seen quite him, possibly. Yeah, I mean, so for example, you might have forgotten that uh, he did True Romance. He directed that. Yeah, that's a film I've seen the. Last like half an hour, I've seen it all the way through. Oh, maybe we'll do that another time. It's not a film I yeah, we probably could absolutely love, but it's a film I've seen and um, didn't really appreciate at the time. So I'm looking forward to rewatching that at some point. Yeah, people love that film, don't they? Yeah, but you know, other Tony Scott, Enemy of the State, he did that. You probably love that. Crimson yes. Tide, you presumably mm, love I that. I've seen those two films. Days of Thunder, you know, Top Gun, yeah, one of them. Yeah, so lots and lots of great films. Um, so we'll, uh, we'll cover all that next week. Now, if they want to get in touch with us and tell us their favourite Tony Scott film, how might they do that? The listener, I mean, Hugh. That's who I'm addressing now. Uh, so what they need to do is they need to become a vicious cold killer uh, in any city. It doesn't have to be Philadelphia. They then need to decide to leave that life of crime behind and... Uh, essentially go out to like you know a small rural town set up in life and then about in about 20 years when uh, the violent past finally catches up with them um, potentially the person you murder maybe do it at like a library where somewhere they've got internet access right and then they can email us at please watch this at uh, please watch this dot pod at gmail.com that would be preferable mm. if you can think of another way Sam though again well in order to receive the email within I'd say my lifetime because I do have high blood pressure so I don't know if I'll last 25 (laughs) to 30 years um, I would say Twitter's the best option because that's more sort of more sort of instant um, so on Twitter we are at please watch pod tell us your opinions give us suggestions for future episodes do whatever you want listener we'll do whatever we want and everyone will be happy all that remains to be said is listener you're amazing I love you Hugh loves you and we'll talk at you next week no, I don't. He does. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> Damn it. You caught Did me it. I was just, no, I was just looking at the filmography of... Did it. I was just looking at the filmography of Tony Scott. He directed Beverly Hills Cop 2, yeah, but not 1. Not 1. That happens, you know. Aliens. 
Yeah, fuck you, listeners. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I'm I joking. love you. I, I, he loves you. I just want you to listen. Yeah, you will <laughs> tell friends. Tell, their friends. tell friends. <laughs> tell 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 friends. Tell enemies. Tell strangers. Force it. Tell on. God. Tell tell anyone you meet. Yeah. About our podcast. Tell yeah. them all. I think I think it's time to go because I don't want to be editing all day. Time. <laughs> I've got things to do. Talk to you, listener. So, see you next week. See you next week. Bye. Bye.